Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We will be teaching as the Lord gives grace, I want to cover this subject thoroughly. So I suspect four, five, six months, uh, we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Anybody glad about that? And um, we're talking about the power of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and how uh, the gifts operate in our lives and how they don't. Uh, we'll be talking about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I do want you to know, if it's your first time with us, you know that this this is a big deal for us here at Calvary Chapel because we are a verse-by-verse Bible-teaching church. Um, If you know that to be true, come on, clap your hands and say, yep, that's right. And so we teach verse-by-verse here, and we're not usually um, teaching, um, um, you know, a topical uh, sermon series like that, but after... Um, our lengthy study in the Gospel of John, two and a half years in the Gospel of John. So after our lengthy study in the Gospel of John, I thought it might be a good topic to address with the church. Um, The subject of the Holy Spirit is probably the, get your pen, get your pad. I want you to take some notes this morning. The subject of the Holy Spirit is probably the, capital T-H-E-E, underscore, bold, the, highlight, the most important and misunderstood, controversial topic in all the Bible, uh, in the Christian church, in the church as a whole. Um, I was talking to a brother yesterday, and he mentioned to me on the phone, this really struck me odd. It's mentioned, he mentioned to me on the phone, we were talking, and he said some years ago, he said you mentioned uh, something, he said you mentioned uh, something of, about the Holy Spirit, about the topic of the Holy Spirit, he said. And um, he said at that point, he realized he did not know the Holy Spirit was a topic. He didn't know it was a topic. And it really became, I think, clearer to me how ignorant the church is on this topic. He had been in church for many, many years, and he didn't know it was a topic. It is a topic. God has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit and about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit and the person of the Spirit and how he, not an energy, a force, or uh, a a phantom, or a ghost. You know, King Jimmy says the Holy Ghost. That's unfortunate. That's a bad translation. When you think of ghost, I think of Casper. (laughs) I ain't the only one. Holy Spirit. So he didn't even know it was a topic, and it really, really occurred to me that the church is really uh, ignorant concerning this, uh, 
topic of the Holy Spirit is so controversial that he, that even uh, entire churches have split over how to understand the Holy Spirit. Um, and they've split and formed other denominations over this one topic. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Over this one topic of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't be. The Bible is very, very clear. Here's a thumbnail sketch of various denominational beliefs concerning the Holy Spirit. Listen, the United Pentecostals and the local church founded by Witness Lee believe in Jesus only. And they don't believe in the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that the Holy Spirit is a personal force that exudes power on people to do the will of God. Mormons, um, it's kind of hard to nail them down. But essentially, they believe the Holy Spirit is a force or a substance or a fluid, a person, um, a fluid and, and a person sometime. Sometimes he's confined to a body and sometimes not. Sometimes he has God-like qualities and sometimes not. The founder of Christian Science, Mary Baker Eddy, believes that the Holy Spirit is the power and the force behind divine science. The Unitarian Church believes the very spirit of truth lies latent in each and every one of us. The Unification Church with Sun Young Moon believes that the Holy Spirit is a female spirit and she cleanses the sins of people in order to restore them. In the Middle East, you know, the Hinduism and Buddhism, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe in karma or a force that interacts with people. Muslims believe in Allah and that's it. And Luke Skywalker says, may the force be with you. People don't understand the Holy Spirit. And may I encourage you, don't try and learn your Holy Spirit theology from Christian television because that will mess you all up. Somebody say a better amen than that. If you look at Christian television, you might assume that the Holy Spirit is some kind of power that knocks you down and makes you roll over on the floor and throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. I'm just, I'm sorry. I can resist. Or the Holy Spirit makes you fall back and when a man touches your forehead or, you know, he waves his jacket at you and you fall back, whatever this power, it makes people lose control of their body. Listen. This is not the spirit. This is emotionalism. You have heard me tell you that I, I have no problem with emotion. We need emotion. God wants to touch our emotion. The Bible has much to say about emotion, but emotionalism is another thing. That's emotionalism, and that is actually insulting to the spirit. We'll talk more about that later. Don't get me wrong. Experience is important. Feeling the presence of God is important. When you worship God, you should feel the presence of God. That's, that's important. It's important for your life as a believer. It's important for you to know that God is with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Am I right about it? And it's important for you to know that. And sometimes God will touch you. He'll touch your spirit. Maybe you'll cry or maybe, you know, you, you'll just lift up your hands and just begin to praise the Lord. Feeling is important. Feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit is important. But our understanding of the Holy Spirit has to come from the word of God. And when our understanding comes from the word of God, our experience becomes appropriate and valid. Y'all didn't hear me. When our experience, 
and our understanding about the Holy Spirit comes from the Word of God, our experience is appropriate and valid. Now, again, the Holy Spirit is an extremely controversial subject, but it's interesting because, listen, it didn't become controversial until after the Reformation movement. It's interesting because before the Reformation, Reformation movement, uh, 1500s to 1800s, nobody had a problem understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. Nobody had a problem understanding the doctrine of, of, of the Trinity. Nobody had a problem understanding the deity of Jesus. Nobody had a problem understanding the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Nobody had a problem with the fundamental teachings of the church. But after the Reformation, that's when various groups began rejecting almost all the essential teachings of the Christian church, namely the Jehovah's Witnesses. In Reasoning from the Scriptures, a Jehovah's Witness publication, page 424, it states, The dogma of the Trinity is not found in the Bible, nor is it in harmony with what the Bible teaches. That's not true. Honestly, listen, the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those biblical subjects that we will probably never fully understand. But there are many things that we won't ever fully understand. And maybe, just maybe, God doesn't want us to fully understand it. Because, got a pen? Deuteronomy 29, 29, write it down. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord, that we may do the law. In other words, there are teachings that God and God alone understands. And many things that we do understand, we should be doers of that which we do understand. Do you, listen, if I spend my life doing what I do understand, I got a lifetime of work ahead of me right there because I'm still working on what I do understand. Now, if God opens up my little pea brain, that, that which I don't understand, and your little pea brain, say amen. amen. To that which you don't understand, we probably implode. So we need to be working on what we do understand and be doers of the word of God. Just because you don't understand something doesn't make it any less true. Listen to these quotes. G. Campbell Morgan said, the idea of one essence subsisting after a threefold manner and in a trinity of relationships finds nothing of a phenomena of nature of which it can fashion as a sufficient symbol. In other words, he says, there's nothing that will really explain the Trinity. Charles Stanley, you know who he is? He said the idea of the Trinity has been a point of confusion for many people, and yet the scripture clearly teaches that there is but one God, yet God presented in the form of three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The formula adopted by the early church is as follows, he said, one essence and three persons. There's a contemporary writer by the name of Kenneth Boa, and he said, quote, There is a great deal recorded in the scriptures that I do not understand. But why should I expect to be, it to be otherwise? If I understood it all, that would mean that I am as smart and as wise as the one who authored it. Since the Bible is an infinite revelation from God, it often brings me beyond the limits of my intelligence, end quote. I love that. People have tried to explain the Trinity, and they've tried to compare it to, say, water. Uh, you have 
water in three forms, liquid, ice, and vapor, which is all water. Um, an egg, you have the yolk, the white, and the shell, yet it is one egg. Uh, an apple, you have the core, the pulp, and the skin, and yet we have one apple. Uh, these are all okay, but I don't really think they give you a clear picture of the Trinity. There are some who say that the Trinity can be disproved mathematically, like one plus one plus one equals three. Well, that doesn't disprove or prove anything because one times one times one equals one. Y'all say amen. Are y'all familiar with math? So you really can't prove it and you can't disprove it mathematically. And then there are those who say, listen, pastor, the word Trinity isn't even in the Bible. Well, listen, that's true. But do you know the word Bible is not in the Bible? You need to write that down. The word Bible is not in the Bible, and yet we believe in the Bible. The word rapture is not in the Bible, and most of us believe in the rapture. Where my people at? Most of us believe in the rapture. Yeah, three people. So the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but we use it for easy explanation. All that to say, the Trinity is something we must understand from a scriptural basis, and then you must take it by faith. The word Trinity, listen, is a technical name given to the teaching that says there is one God, but this one God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are distinct persons. Listen to me close. They are distinct persons. In other words, the Father is not Jesus. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are distinct and yet one. Those who believe in the Trinity consider themselves Trinitarian. With that said, that was the longest introduction I've ever done in my entire 20 years of preaching. With that said, take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. And I've titled this sermon, Introduction, Life in the Spirit, Selected Verses. John chapter 14. Look at John chapter 14. And... uh Let's pick up uh, in verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. Y'all praying for me? John 14. Thank you, two people. John 14, verse 15. If you love me in verse 15, Jesus said what, saints? Uh, are we all reading the same Bible? Jesus said, if you love me, do what, saints? Thank you, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you, underline this, another helper, Comforter, Paracletos, we'll talk about that, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, saints, and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, verse 19. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me, in verse 21, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us 
in the Gospel of John, you know that the scene here in John chapter 14 is the upper room. It's Thursday night. It's the night before the crucifixion. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet and wanted the disciples to serve one another. And then Jesus gave them a commandment to love one another. And then Jesus began to tell the disciples he was going away. In chapter 14, look at verse 1. The reason that Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither, neither let them be afraid, because Jesus was telling them that he was going away, and they were afraid because they had spent time with Jesus. At this point, their head is spinning. Verse 18, chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphanos. I'm not going to leave you as orphans when I go. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Look at verse 16 and verse 17. The world doesn't know him, but you do. Why? Because he's with you and he will be in you. We'll talk about that. Fast forward to chapter 16. Fast forward with me, probably just a page for some of y'all. Chapter 16, and look at verse 7. In chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now let's understand something here. Jesus and the disciples were friends. They lived together. They ministered together. They cried together for three and a half years. They were ordinary guys doing ministry with an extraordinary God. They were friends who had fun together and they laughed together. They were normal guys. I think sometimes we think the disciples were like super holy and they were more holy than we are because they're in stained glass windows in some churches. And we think, um, man, if you make it to stained glass window, you're really holy, you know, and you got like a halo around your head and you're holy. The disciples were regular guys and they hung out with Jesus and they laughed together. And I'm sure that probably after a meal, they probably look at Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, there's something in your teeth right there. You might want to get that out right there. They just laughed together. They had a good time together. They hung out and they joked around like everybody else. And they had come, watch this, to depend on the presence the personal presence of Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, fellas, I'm leaving. But I'm not leaving you as orphans, Jesus says. I'm going to send another comforter. Calvary Chapel, you know this, this word another. If you don't know it, write it down. This word another is alos, A-L-L-O-S, alos, another. It means another of the same kind, class, and caliber. Jesus says, I'm going to send another comforter who will be of the same kind, class, and caliber. Jesus says, I was, as I was with you, now I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And everything I was to you, the Holy Spirit will be to you. Jesus says, I was God on earth who lived with you and dwelt with you, and I'm going to send God the Holy Spirit to live with you and dwell with you. Are y'all picking that up? In Genesis chapter 1, let's back up a little bit. I'm going to back up a lot. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God. The Hebrew word for God, got your pen? The Hebrew word for God is Elohim, Elohim, singular, El, dual, Ella, E-L-L-A, and plural, Elohim. The I am is actually speaks of plurality, almost like the I am in the Hebrew language is our apostrophe S. 
So it speaks of plurality, Elohim. So Elohim speaks of the plurality of God. Now in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, Jesus said this, or God said this. Then God said, let us, y'all looking at it? Let what? Us make man in what? Our image according to what? Our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So then the question is, who is God talking to? Well, God, if you got a pen, listen, God is speaking of the Trinity, the plurality of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Even in the very beginning, God is letting man know that there is a Godhead. Let us, they are one. Now, if we are to believe that they are one, then they should have the same attributes and characteristics, yes? If the Holy Spirit didn't have the same characteristics and attributes of God, then we couldn't say they are one. The Holy Spirit is God. So let's look at some of those parallel attributes, if you will. The Bible teaches that God, Elohim, created the earth. The Bible also teaches the Holy Spirit created the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Are y'all listening? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word hover means to be moved, affected with feelings of tender love, to brood over young ones. In Genesis, the word hover is used figuratively, figuratively of the Spirit of God who brooded and hovered over the shapeless mass of earth. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth as a hen hovers over her chicks with love and tenderness, and then an energized light, and light came into being. God created the earth, and God created man. The Holy Spirit created the earth, and the Holy Spirit created man. Psalm 104, verse 30. You send forth your spirit. They are created. Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives life. Think about that. Your very breath is held in the hand of God. Look at me. Have you ever thought about that? Your very breath is held in the hand of God. Acts tells us in him we live, we move, and we have our being. I don't know if you've ever been at the bedside of someone passing away. I have many times. I've held their hand as they were leaving. And it's um, interesting. It's interesting to watch someone's spirit leave their body. And, 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 and when their spirit leaves the body... You, you almost can see it. You almost can. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You almost can see it. Because it's, it's like the spirit leaves and the body just becomes as inanimate as this music stand. The very breath you breathe belongs to God. And I don't think that we're thankful enough as people to say, God, this morning, thank you for the breath I breathe. 
because God, it was you that kept me going at night. It was you that kept my heart rate beating at night. It was you that kept my blood flowing at night. God is the one who sustains us. And when you are asleep on the job, God never sleeps nor slumbers. Am I right about that? Never sleeps nor slumbers. Psalm 104 verse 29 says, you hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Do you understand that it is God who keeps you breathing at night? It's God that keeps your heart beating at night. Think about it. I think, I think about it like this, or you should think about it like this. God leaves uh, the non-essentials to you, and the essentials he takes care of. The non-essentials are... Uh, God allows you to comb your hair. God allows you to wash your body. These are all non-essentials. In other words, if you don't do them, you won't die. Others might die, but you won't die if you don't do them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.